Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat sermon by Rabbi Adam Kligfeld. I don't remember if it was after Operation Moses in 1984 or Operation Solomon in 1991, the two major efforts that the State of Israel undertook to rescue Ethiopian Jews who had found their way through the wilderness to wait for these, these eagles, the El Al planes, to come and airlift them to the state of Israel, fulfilling Israel's promise to be a location and address for the ingathering of the exiles. After one of those operations that brought tens of thousands of Ethiopian Jews, a very interesting story came out. In one of the Merkaze Klita, the absorption centers, where Ethiopian children, orphans, were getting accustomed to life in the state of Israel, and these were children whose parents had either passed away in Ethiopia or on the trip to get to Israel. These were clean and, for the time, modern and well-run absorption centers, and they couldn't figure out why it was the case that there seemed to be an incessant vermin problem, no matter how many times they cleaned the kitchen and cleaned the bedrooms, vermin kept coming back to the absorption centers. And they finally realized what it was. These Ethiopian children, who had lived up until then their entire lives, in the presence, or at least the threat of famine, simply could not be convinced that the meal they were being served for free in the dining hall, in the Chadar Ochel, wouldn't be their last for a very long time. And surreptitiously, as an act of survival, they would take with them food from every meal, hide it underneath their mattresses, where the staff of the absorption center were not expecting to look. And so no matter how many times they cleaned the kitchen and cleaned the floors and cleaned the closets, there were crumbs and treats for all of the creepy crawlies that found their way to that place. These students who I hope are now living wonderful and blessed adult lives in the state of Israel, had been conditioned to not understand the concept of enough because they never had it. There was no enough. And they couldn't believe that they were now in a situation where enough was guaranteed. I think about that story all the time, in particular in the weeks leading up to Pesach, for a reason that might seem strange. Jewish law provides that a religious Jew is supposed to rid him, her, her house or his house from all the chametz, all the leaven products, not just taping up the cabinets to not see it, but actually getting rid of the actual stuff in your home that is a bread product. Cereals, crackers, breads, bagels. There is a, um, a forgiveness for more expensive items, thank God, like whiskey, otherwise 
It would be very hard for me to observe this holiday and not impoverish myself. If it costs that much money to have to rid yourself of something, Jewish law does not make you. But your boxes of Cheerios in total and your English muffins and your Triscuits, it's not just that you're not supposed to have them around on Pesach, you're supposed to get rid of them. Tashbitu soormi batechem, rid your houses of the leaven stuff. About three or four weeks before Pesach every year, I remind myself how obscene my pantry is. How many layers of crackers and cereal and pasta line my pantry as if I'm constantly living in a near emergency. And so I remind myself as I try to ration and get rid of those foodstuffs in the week before Pesach, determining which I'm going to consume even though I'm not hungry, and which I'm going to donate, I realize that in our society, for most of us, and most of us are indeed fortunate to know that we're not in a food emergency, although some people in our community may be, we also have lost the ability to connect with the concept of enough because we've always had more than enough. The Ethiopian children lost enough or never gained it because they never had it. And so they had to learn it from scratch. We, in an era of Costco and Amazon, have deluded ourselves into thinking that we need much more than the simple presentations that satisfy our obligations in order to be okay. We have destroyed the concept of enough. My parents, whom I love and revere, and who might even be watching this, sometimes I watch from Connecticut, they have in their home a Costco closet. They built a closet to be a Costco closet. My children love it because there are always innumerable snacks and treats in there, but there are also innumerable snacks and treats in the regular pantry. Preparing for a famine that really will probably never come. This is different than the emergency preparedness that we all should have in case there were an earthquake. This is our not being able to trust the fact that we have enough and that we don't need more right now. What does it actually feel like to claim that sensation and to aver that reality? There may be a prescription in our tradition emerging from an interesting verse in this week's Parsha that talks about our obligation, particularly those people who live or attempt to live a life of religious awareness and a life with God, for how we're supposed to relate to the notion of enough. It comes from a verse in the beginning of Parsha Ekev. Where God and Moshe are talking about what the Israelites are going to experience when they finally leave the wandering in the desert and get to the land of Israel without Moshe. <coughs> the verse says, you're going to go to this land, Eretz Chitatu Sora, a land, as we've heard from the Jerash already, of wheat and barley and geffen, vines, teina, figs, rimon, pomegranates, Eretz Zeit Shemun Udvash, a land filled with olive oil and honey. The next verse Eretz, what kind of land? Asher lo v'miskenut tochal ba lechem. 
It's not an easy verse to translate. A land that when you're in it, you will be consuming your lechem, your bread, low, not, or without miskenut. What does miskenut mean? Most people translate it related to the word miskain, which means misery or want, suggesting that there's going to be such plenty in the land of Israel that you will not experience being miskain. You'll not be unfortunate. No one will pity you. They'll envy you. You're not going to live in miskenut when you live in the land of Israel. That's a fine translation, and it does the trick in terms of the bounty that was promised in the verse. There's a commentary called the Kliakar, Rabbi Shlomo Ephraim Lunshitz, who is an important commentary and Hasidic teacher, who likes to connect words from in one place of the Torah to words in other places of the Torah, even if they don't seem like an obvious connection, which is a rabbinic trick going back 2,000 years. And he says, Miskenut, Miskenut, where did I hear that word before? And he realizes, where have we heard that word before? Way back in the opening chapter of the book of Exodus, book of Shemot, when the Israelites first left the land of Canaan and got into the land of Egypt. And as you know, the story became enslaved there. The Torah says, Vayasimu alav saremisim. Pharaoh put upon the Israelites these taskmasters. Laman anoto to to treat them terribly, with these obligations. And what did the Israelite people, what did the Jewish people build for Pharaoh in Egypt? Same word. Clearly that verse doesn't mean that they built cities of misery for Pharaoh. What else can the word miskain mean according to Akar? A storehouse. A warehouse a place where you store extra. The Israelites built for Egypt a Costco. So that Pharaoh would know that not only could he open up the pantry in Pharaoh's palace and have enough food there, but in endless other locations, extra enough, more than enough, on top of enough, beyond enough, obliterating enough, there would be all of the representations of his wealth and of his reach. The Kliakar says, let's import that notion of miskain into our verse. And the Israelites are being told something subtly different than you just will live without misery. In the land of Israel, guess what you do not need? Ironic, given how the state of Israel, in all of its modern wonder, is filled with such doors. You're not going to need a warehouse in Israel. You're not going to need a Costco. Not because the earth won't provide enough to fill it, but because the earth will provide enough for you. You don't need 10 weeks worth of food in your pantry. You can trust that the earth will consistently provide for you what you need next. You can live without the anxiety of having to hoard. You can live without the fear that you're going to go without because you won't. According to the Kliakar, this is operating on two levels simultaneously. One, the theological miraculous, and the other, the inter-emotional and spiritual. What's the theological promise? I, God, promise that you will not have famine in the land of Israel. 
So don't prepare for it. Whether or not that was always true in the thousands of years that people have lived there is besides the point. This is the promise given to the generation of the desert. I promise you, don't waste your time building these miskenot, these storehouses for your extra. You'll never need extra. You can live with enough. And the inter-emotional, train yourself to be in relationship to the facts of the situation. Train yourself to live as if you know that you have enough today, you will have enough tomorrow, and you will have enough next week. That is a second step. It's one thing for the circumstances to actually be that you have enough, which, blessedly, most of us live in that reality. It's another thing to resist the urge to hoard, to collect, to have rows and rows and rows of pasta in our cabinets and to be at peace with enough. The great philosopher Mary Poppins once said, enough is as good as a feast. A truism that we belie at every buffet we've ever been at, perhaps even in the one we're about to go to. It's hard. I don't do it well myself all the time. But I'm chastened by what God told the Israelites through the lens of the Kliakar. Learn to embrace enough. There are many, many ways in which that wisdom can influence our own lives and others. I want to suggest, and with this I'll end too. Number one, all of those extra boxes of cereal and pasta and crackers that are sitting in our miskenot and our storehouses, we clearly could afford them. They wouldn't be there if we couldn't. And we can afford to replace them when they're gone. Which means those are the very things staring us in the eye that we should probably recognize don't really belong to us. They belong to those who need them more than we do. And so a recognition of how enough we are and how much of enough we have is a constant goad, a constant prod to make sure that the people who are truly without crackers and pasta and food are getting our extras because we have enough. However regularly you contribute food to a food pantry, it's not regular enough if you have that much in your Costco closet. But the second one is equally as significant, perhaps. If we can move away from the anxiety of whether or not we have enough of stuff, of provisions, we can double down on trying to get more of the things that no God can provide for us. And that is experiences like this one. You know what you can never have too much of? Spiritual awakenings and connections with the divine and meaningful experiences with the community and hugs from or to a loved one. You know what you'll never be chastised for collecting too much of or giving out too much of? Love and tenderness and emotional presence and spiritual generosity. There is no overdose 
There is no amount that you can't add to. And so while we remind ourselves that when it comes to stuff and calories, enough is enough. When it comes to the experience like the one we're having right now, hoard away. Because more is always better than what you already have. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.